episode 130 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about the 2020 presidential election, the big picture. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as the 2020 election, secession, Walter E. Williams, big tech censorship, or intellectual dishonesty comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean.com, BitChute, Brighteon, ThinkSpot, and Rumble. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app or any other platform, please take a moment and scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through Facebook advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. I have a lot of friends, family, and acquaintances that pay scant attention to the news. If they do, they get it from one of the Alphabet Soup media outlets who have all but ignored the clear problems with the 2020 election. So when I tell them some of the things that I'm going to tell you about, they're often hearing it for the first time and are incredulous. They say things like, I didn't know that, or where did you hear that? For their benefit and yours, I want to pull all the information about the 2020 election into this episode and the next one for future reference, because this story is not going away, especially after what happened today, January 6, 2021. If I had to make a prediction During the course of 2021 and maybe into 2022, there will be enough evidence presented at the state level about vote fraud to overturn more than one state and change the electoral votes from Biden to Trump, but it obviously will be too late. I want to tell you up front that based on the evidence I've seen of massive, gross, forensically proven vote fraud, primarily in Georgia, Fulton County, the Atlanta area, Pennsylvania and Philly and Pittsburgh, Michigan, Wayne County, which is the Detroit area, and Wisconsin, mainly in the Milwaukee area, Trump did indeed win the election. It was truly a stolen election that disenfranchised over 74 million Americans. But regardless of what I think, the larger point that I want to make, or the question I want to raise is, why all the pushback, denying, and name-calling by the mainstream media, national Democrats, and state election officials from both parties, Why the ramrod silence and lack of action by the majority of the national Republicans? None of these groups are interested in the truth. Their only agenda items, the ones that they remain laser-focused on, is in the case of the mainstream media, it's just their agenda. In the case of the politicians, it's their power and control, their re-election, their own standing among their peers, lobbyists, and funders. Well, you know what? I'm interested in the truth. What makes this worse, if it could get any worse, is the Democrats broadcast exactly how the election would go months before the election. They made it clear that on election night, Trump would appear to win and win big, but that within days after the election, Biden would be declared the victor by the slightest of margins. They told the world that they were going to steal the election using the unprecedented flood of mail-in ballots, knowing the GOP would do nothing about it. And that is exactly what happened. So the supposed margin of victory in the battleground states for Biden are 11,000 votes in Arizona, 12,000 votes in Georgia, 20,000 in Wisconsin, 35,000 in Nevada, 82,000 in Pennsylvania, and 154,000 in Michigan. 
So with the exception of Michigan, those are razor thin margins. Keep in mind the number of potentially fraudulent ballots in each state that I will walk through in the next episode are more than enough to overcome Biden's margin of victory by thousands of votes, and in some cases, hundreds of thousands of votes. To give you a sense of the magnitude of Trump's victory, you need to understand the big picture. See, Trump received 11 million more votes in 2020 than in 2016. His count of 74 million is in fact the most ever collected by a candidate in history. Keep in mind, Obama got 3.5 million fewer votes in 2012 than in 2008. Consider this. Biden won 509 counties in 2020. Obama won 873 in 2008 and fewer 689 in 2012. Trump won 2,547 counties in 2020. Let that sink in. Close your eyes and envision a map of the country. Cut it into 3,000 little pieces. 2,547 of them voted for Trump. 500 for Biden. Consider Trump's support among blacks was 50% higher than in 2016. Biden's black support dropped below the magic 90% mark, which typically equates to a loss for national Democrats. In the Rust Belt, Biden lost black support everywhere, except in Detroit, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. In those cities, according to the vote counts, it would appear that every single black person voted for Biden. But you know what? We're told to sit down and shut up. There's nothing to see here. Republicans won 28 of 29 competitive House seats, and Democrats were unable to flip a single state legislature. Then consider this. All but one county that has chosen every presidential winner since 1980 went for President Trump in 2020. These are the bellwether counties that you might have heard of. Essentially, there are five or six counties around the country whose vote have reflected the winner for 40 years until 2020. Finally, reports indicate that there are around 214 million registered voters in the U.S., and 66% of them cast votes in 2020. So that's 142, I'm rounding up, 142 million voters who voted in 2020. If President Trump won 74 million of them, that leaves only about 67, 68 million votes remaining for Biden. But at last count, Biden has 80 million votes. That means there's 13, 14 million votes that, shall we say, are questionable. Where do they come from? I want you for a moment to think about the allegations of vote fraud in relation to any other crime that is committed. It could be a murder where there's a dead body that needs to be accounted for, or there's a burglary with missing property. You know, something abnormal happened. There's a body here. There's missing property. There's a broken window. Just like the voting irregularities that we saw in several states. However, despite the fact that there is a dead body, a broken window, missing property, the police simply ignore and say, there's no evidence of murder or burglary. How is that any different from alleged vote fraud? Where evidence does exist, affidavits have been signed, personal testimony has been presented, and forensic data evidence has been presented, all of which is ignored by the media and state authorities. How does that happen? What are the 74 million people who voted for a particular candidate supposed to do or think? So despite all the allegations, what do we hear from Trump haters, Democrats, the mainstream media, and establishment Republicans? Well, we heard over and over again, there is no evidence of voter fraud. No need to investigate. Then once the evidence started to mount, they moved on to, there isn't much fraud. 
Then it was, there isn't enough fraud to overturn the election. They say these are baseless and deluded claims. We have hear no evil, see no evil, utterly uninterested Republican congressional leaders like Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. We have rhinos and never-Trumpers like Bill Kristol, Mitt Romney, Liz Cheney, Paul Ryan, and the likes trashing anyone who stands up and cries foul. Watch their interviews. They never mention voting irregularities, fraud, statistical anomalies. All they do is cast dispersions on Trump and his supporters and trash him and them as tyrants and accuse them of treason and sedition. They claim that his disputing the election is a threat to our democracy. I want you to digest that for a minute. These people claim that investigating vote fraud is a threat to democracy. That's one of the most illogical, mentally challenged statements I've ever heard. Democracy equals one man, one vote. It means whoever gets the most votes wins. So if someone cheats in voting, isn't that a threat to our democracy? This is the type of shit I was talking about in episode 124, The Truth About Intellectual Dishonesty. You are not dealing with an honest actor when you are dealing with someone who makes statements like that. When it comes to vote fraud, I have news for you. There's always fraud. Dead people always vote. Chicago and Philadelphia and other Democrat-controlled cities always have fraud. This is going back decades. LBJ stole his first Senate election in 1948 in Texas. You should read that story. It's quite fascinating. JFK became president largely due to the Daily Machine in Chicago. Al Franken unseated Norm Coleman in 2008 under, shall we say, suspicious circumstances. You can fact check everything I'm telling you. So to say that there is no fraud is not only intellectually dishonest, but disingenuous and a flat out lie. And to me, that's the most disappointing aspect of this entire sad episode, is that there's a large portion of Americans who would prefer that everyone just ignore these allegations. I just can't wrap my mind around why that is. Why would anyone want to ignore such a thing? Because your guy has been declared the winner? But, but what if he cheated to win? Is it okay to ignore this because you hate Trump so much that you could care less about the potential disenfranchisement of 74 million Trump voters? What if there was fraud? Should cheaters be allowed to win, or do the ends justify the means? So for the record, I want to, as succinctly as possible, summarize the general allegations, and then in the next episode, talk to you about the specific evidence in the six battleground states. So here's a list of most of the election fraud or voting irregularities from the November 2020 election. It all starts off with the evidence of violations of state election laws, with very few state officials doing anything about it, from the state's governors, the secretary of state, and the state court system. None were willing to enforce state election law. Some unilaterally changed election laws. In both cases, they made the law moot. Why bother with legislation if it can be ignored and no one goes to jail? The morning after the election, even that evening, the vote counting stopped in five states, all virtually at the same time. The reason for the pause, speculation on my part, which is based on logic, is that Trump was going to hit the magic 270 elector vote count. So they had to slow things down and allow Biden's count to catch up. Then Republican poll watchers were removed from these sites, making it impossible for them to validate absentee and mail-in ballots. Normally what happens is a representative from each party examines the mail-in ballots and makes sure everything's kosher. Signatures match, postmarks are correct, and whatever other election laws exist in that state. 
Once the outer envelope of an absentee or mail-in ballot is removed, it becomes unauditable because there's no way to match the signature from the outer envelope to that on the ballot. See, the outer envelope is immediately separated in trash, but without the Republican poll watchers to challenge potentially illegal ballots, guess what? A modern-day miracle occurred. Lo and behold, hundreds of thousands of Biden mail-in votes flooded in overnight. We had historically low absentee ballot rejection rates. See, typically around 3% of mail-in or absentee ballots are rejected for all the reasons I mentioned. You know what the rejection rate was in many of these states? Like three hundredths of a percent. Basically 0% were rejected. This despite massive expansion of mail voting. Nothing to see here, folks. I'm sure the fact that all these states acted simultaneously is just one big coincidence. I mean, surely there's no collusion. This is the part of the story that I speculated about earlier when I said we will eventually find out what went down, who organized it, etc. But it will, of course, be too late and meaningless. The only thing that matters is Trump is gone and the D.C. establishment can go on living life as they have for the past five or six decades. Next, we have eyewitness testimony of numerous people who saw ballots come in in unsecured containers, even ballots on different types of paper. We had testimony of thousands of ballots with Biden-only votes, no down-ballot votes. I mean, come on. What kind of idiot doesn't call bullshit on something like that? There is no way in hell the Democrats would put up with that type of obvious fraud if this happened to them. Yet the Republicans in these states and in D.C. were unable to muster the courage to do the right thing. We, of course, have evidence of dead people voting. Nothing new there. We have evidence of mass voting by non-residents or ex-residents of these states. We have reports of overvotes. That's when more votes are cast than there are registered voters. Dead people, non-residents, and overvoting. How is any of that acceptable in any election at any governmental level. Can someone please explain that to me? There are reports of program computer cheating and statistical anomalies demonstrating potential evidence of vote total manipulation. Check this out. We had vote counts for Trump actually decline in real time. You could literally see it on the scroll at the bottom of the screen on the networks on election night. Here's one example from Pennsylvania from CNN. There's a 30 second window Trump's count goes down by 19,958 votes, and Biden's goes up by 19,958. You can see the same phenomenon in my own analysis of the Pennsylvania vote count from episode 122. We have hundreds of sworn affidavits signed by people under penalty of perjury. Hundreds. Not a couple or a few. Hundreds. We have these people giving public testimony. But we're told there's nothing to see here. We're told that we are traitors and seditious if we dare question the results of the election. What kind of alternative friggin' universe are we living in? Give me a break. In some of these key swing states, Biden's vote count far exceeded the Democrat Senate candidate. I will give you the exact numbers in the next episode, but suffice it to say, typically the presidential candidate gets a similar number of votes to the Senate candidate from their party. As you will see in the next episode, that wasn't the case with Biden. We have vote tabulation equipment connected to the internet. This violates both federal and state election laws. In addition, it's super easy to disconnect some of this equipment, reboot it, and gain administrative rights to the machine, which allows one to literally create votes. 
There have been a number of documentaries on all the major networks and hundreds of videos online demonstrating the ease with which these machines can be manipulated. Does all of that sound worthy of investigation? Do those of you who have poo-pooed the vote fraud narratives still want to stick your head in the sand and blindly follow the corruptocrats in D.C.? If the same things had occurred to a Democrat candidate or to anyone other than Trump, would you remain defiant or silent in the face of such potential evidence? Or would you demand investigations? Would you have been suspicious if Trump and Pence made very little effort to actually campaign in the weeks leading up to the election and then garnered more votes than Barack Obama? Well, that's what Biden and Harris did. I mean, it's almost like they knew what the outcome would be regardless of the amount of effort they put in on the campaign trail. So let's pretend that half of what I just said is false. Is ignoring all of it the right thing to do? Is it the honest thing to do? The bottom line is there's more evidence of vote fraud in the 2020 election than there ever was of Trump's Russia collusion or man-made climate change or that raising the minimum wage will help the poor and low-skilled workers or that Breonna Taylor was viciously murdered or that lockdowns and mask wearing are effective or that socialism works or that taking guns out of the hands of law-abiding citizens will quell gun violence or that the war on poverty has helped the poor or that the gender pay gap is legit. And yet the same people that call bullshit on the vote fraud in the 2020 presidential election have spent years promulgating all of those fallacies. As one commentator put it, anyone who denies this election was stolen is either a criminal who was in on the scam or a bribe politician or bureaucrat who benefits from the scam or a complete naive moron. He went on to say, Yet here we sit with a conspiracy so deep that political leaders, mainstream media, social media, judges, prosecutors, the entire U.S. justice system, and virtually every person in power in D.C. acts as if nothing happened. And they do it so casually, so matter-of-factly, that it's easy to conclude they're all in on the scam. End quote. Why wouldn't an intellectually honest person, political party, governor, secretary of state, legislature, want to get to the bottom of this? Can anyone make the case that the majority of Americans should remain in a union whereby a minority of corrupt bureaucrats and politicians can successfully steal a presidential election? What would be the point in remaining in a union that will be under one-party rule with the rights of the majority ignored and trampled on by not only politicians but by big tech and violent Antifa types for anyone who steps out of line? As I argued in episode 110, The Truth About How to Save America from Itself, Secession is the only answer. The National Democratic Party has no intention of coexisting with the rest of us, so much so that they are willing to defend and accept stolen election, essentially a second coup on President Trump. And the majority of the National Republicans, they're even more feckless and neutered than they were when John Boehner was in charge. Let's end this episode with a series of questions that I want each of you to seriously consider and answer for yourself, regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum. Does the rule of law matter to you? Is getting rid of Trump worth throwing the country into turmoil? Is getting rid of Trump worth destroying the Republican Party? How is turning the country over to the lunatics in the modern-day Democrat Party better than leaving a bombastic Trump in office? And finally, I want to leave you with this quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. If you don't know who he is, please look him up. His famous quote that I hope all of you will take to heart is, Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. And that is the truth about the 2020 presidential election. More to come in the next episode.
please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Thank you.